while we remain standing, if you'll turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Psalms. should be in the middle of your Bible. If you have a King James Bible, I know it's there. Amen. If you have something else, I'm not sure where Psalms may be in your Bible. Once you find the book of Psalms, turn to Psalm chapter number 78. Once you've located the book of Psalms, find chapter or the Psalm 78. I will read out loud. Silently along with me, we'll read this together once you have gotten there. Psalm 78, <clears throat> starting in verse number one. Again, you follow me, I'll read out loud. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation which set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us please to understand circumstances in society has nothing to do with the word of God. Though it gives the answers for those things, though it can guide us and lead us through those things, though it tells us what you will do in those things, it should have no bearing on us and obeying your word. So help us, Lord, please, not to key in on what society is and its changes and what's going on and May we just be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for we know that you're coming back. You'd have to be ignorant and purposely unlearned to not realize something's got to give here before long. So, Father, I pray that every one of us would set up straight. We would pay attention on purpose, for God may want to talk with us through his word this morning. We might miss that as he passes by. We need to call out to him. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this church service. Holy Ghost of God, help me to help your people with your word. Thank you for all you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a cell phone, please turn that off. Would you please? Thank you. to hear the story of how I've made it through when life is full of trouble pain and fear the answer may sound simple though everything crumble 
will serve an amazing God. He's been with me every mile. My weary feet have trod. He still cares. He still hears. He's still mending broken hearts and drying tears. This old world is bound to change. The God who parted waters still makes a way today. He's always brought me through the troubled seas. The one who fed the thousands can calm the tempest. He's my bread of life, and he's my peace. I still serve an amazing God. He's been
always had a special place in my life and heart for young people. Uh, that's not just a saying. It, it seems to have been that way uh, most of my life. It's not just because I'm young at heart. Uh, that's about the only thing that's still young in me, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, but the first 15 years of my Christian life uh, was spent around young people and teenagers. Uh, when we were on the other side of town, uh, I keep saying that was uh, 14455 East Broad Street out there. It's not the same church, not the same name, nothing like that. But we started a church out there from nothing and actually built all the buildings ourselves. We did not have an outside contractor. We did all of it, cleared the land by hand, did all that kind of stuff. And kind of like this crowd here, uh, why young people kept coming, I don't know, but they did. Uh, I remember on our, I think it was our sixth or seventh anniversary uh, over there, Dr. Lee Robertson came. Boy, we went all out. We're giving away cars, bicycle, people's kids. We're doing everything uh, to get a crowd. And uh, I remember on that morning, I had 170-some teenagers uh, that I was teaching and preaching to and had to control um, that, that day and uh, loved every bit of it. Loved every bit of it. I mean, it was exciting. We had a great time together. I was a bus captain at that time, too, choir director, assistant pastor, those kinds of things. And our bus route went through Gehanna. Uh, not hell, not that one, but Gehanna on the other side of town. And uh, now even back then, it was a pretty well-to-do uh, part of Columbus or outside of Columbus. And yet we ran a bus route through there. A lot of our teenagers had brand new cars, but they liked riding our bus because we just had a great time together. Everything you could think of, we tried, we did. Everybody had a great attitude. I'm talking about teens. They were our runners. They led singing on the bus. Uh, we just had a great, great time. And then we got them to start going soul winning. And I mean, they really became an active part of our church. I'm talking about people from, if you would, a better part of town, Gehanna. I mean, kids over there got their own cars. Parents live, even back then, in very, very nice homes. And we'd knock on their doors, and the teenagers go, yeah, Ma, I want to go. And so they'd go, and we'd have a great time. So I, I have a special place in my heart for young people and for teenagers. George Washington, do they still teach about him in school? Okay, he's a father of our country. George Washington said, the future of our country depends upon the, ready, Christian training. Christian training, not religious training. Yeah. Christian training of our youth. The generation to come, let me just start right there. And before I get started, a lot of our teenagers are gone right now. Some are in Florida. Others are, I'm not sure where they are. Um, I, I, I'm very thankful that they're here. I'm very pleased with their life and the direction that they're going. And I'm very proud of, of what they are and what they do when they're here. Most of them attend our Christian school. We have a Christian school. Uh, it's been in process how many years? 30 31, 32 years, something like that. And um, so they, they go there and uh, you say, oh, you think they're perfect. No, I know they're not perfect. That's why they still have to come to church. And uh, so I understand all of that. And uh, yet they go soul winning. They work bus routes. They help clean buildings. Uh, they do all these things and they're heading in a right direction. And this is not your normal, typical teenager of today that you see in the world. Now, let me help you a little bit. The normal today, go to Proverbs chapter 30. You're in Psalm, go to Proverbs right after the book of Psalm. Proverbs chapter number 30. In Proverbs chapter number 30, the normal, the majority 
of teenagers and young people today is not much to look forward to. I really fear in my heart. I somewhat like the Apostle Paul, when he was talking about the local church there, he said, I fear after my departure that wolves will come in not sparing the flock. People that come in with their own agenda in mind, when push comes to shove, they don't care about you. That's what you call a hireling. That's a person who's in it for what they can. As long as it doesn't bother them and increases them, they're okay. They may even face a battle or two, but when the wolves show up and start tearing things apart, God has led them somewhere else. You ever notice how that happens? So here we have here, it's not much to look forward to, and I'm sorry, it's just not. There was a day when people say, oh, that's not true. By the way, the world's teenager is tomorrow's leaders. Think about that. Just think about that. Think about it. And the majority of them is not much to talk about. Now, just think about that. Teenagers of today, just whatever you think of them, are the leaders. Do you know who's running the White House and, and Congress and all like that? The hippies back in my day. The hippies and the yippies. Believe it or not, that's what they were called. The hippies and the yippies. Everybody has to have a title. And now they still believe in love and let's all just get along. Let's throw down our guns and let's just hug each other. You, know, you throw down your guns, good way to get killed. A real good way to get killed. That's why our forefather, our Christian for our Christian forefathers, said and put in there the right to bear arms. Not these. These would embarrass you if I did that. I'm talking about. You understand that, right? I have the right to bear arms, but I don't do that because I'll embarrass people. I don't want to do that. So it's not much to talk about. You say, preacher, why do you say things like that? Because what God says. Look in Proverbs chapter 30. Drop down to verse number 11. 30, verse number 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Don't you hate that look like it? That's sleepy, I can't hardly stay awake. I'm too cool, really, to pay attention. I wish you had my dad. No, I don't. He, he wasn't a good dad. Anyway, so watch what he says here. Verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. All they care about is themselves and what's in it for me. And if I don't like it, I will cause problems and damage to everybody around. They say, yeah, well, that's the Old Testament talking about the Jews. I'm glad you brought that up. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Uh, I know it's in the New Testament somewhere. There it is. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And verse number one, know this, I'm sorry, this know also that in the last days, by the way, the last days started when Jesus died, okay? Perilous times, shall, perilous means difficult, dangerous times. That's what perilous means, okay? You're on a perilous journey, it's dangerous, it's difficult. So here he said, know this, that perilous times should come for, now he's going to tell you the reason why, for or because, here it is, ready? Men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, 
proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, those would be your queers, your, 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 your um, sodomites, your lesbians, uh, no, there's no na- that's not natural. Romans chapter 1 says they're going against that which nature, it, they're going against nature itself. That, that's not natural. It's not natural. Now you can amen anytime you get enough backbone to do that. So watch what he says. Without natural affection, false accusers, incontinent, they can't control themselves, fierce despisers of those that are good. You know, it's kind of like Cain with his brother. God did not prefer Abel over Cain. Abel obeyed God. Cain got upset because of the way he interpreted God likes you better. I'll just kill you. He became very fierce to the point of murder. He murdered his brother. Then he lied about him. Then he accused God of being too severe in his judgment on him and cast him out. You don't find out where he repented, that he discussed things with God. And it always amazed me. Listen to me carefully. Those of you that are sitting here right now, well, I'm not ready. God Almighty, who created heaven and earth with no help from anybody else, there is no such thing as evolution. That is a theory devised by ungodly, unholy men that our society has bought into, and now a lot of Christians believe that kind of stuff. Trying to match, it's not the first time it happened, trying to match Bible with science so they'll look educated. True science always agrees with the Bible. False science demands you have to change the Bible to agree with them. And we don't like feeling ignorant, so we kind of agree with them and have no idea what we're talking about. Because we live in a society that's based on education. First time we said, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to college? How much are you in for a living? This is what generates and moves our society. God doesn't work that way. So watch what he says here. Without Verse number four, they are traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, this would be all of your churches that are actually pulling everything from the world they possibly can and thinking that's the way to draw a crowd. This is what, having a form. So they go to church, they call it church. Well, they don't call it church anymore. Uh, Let's say they call it Highway 95. They call it church under the viaduct, uh, uh, losers off the motorcycles, whatever, you know. Uh, everybody has to do their own thing anymore and call it by their own. Like we're all, folks, there are no originals. You're not an original. You're not a first. Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. It's already been thought about, maybe called by a different name. You're simply a new generation and think it's new to you. There has never been anybody that's created anything but God. Man cannot create. Create is making something from nothing. Man cannot do that. Preach you upset about something. I am. Verse number five. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Watch what it says to do. Try to understand them. But don't, don't act like they're strange. No, it says, what's it say? Go ahead, read your Bible. If you have a King James Bible, it says, from such turn away. From such turn away. He didn't say reach out to them. He said turn away from them. God knows what he, when God makes a statement like that, he actually knows more than we do. There's a reason why he said, uh-uh, don't do that. Look what, look what, oh, I'm sorry, still growing. 
look what America, look what Christians have done. In our knowing more about people than God, we're reaching out to a lost society, not with the gospel. We want them to understand us. I'll tell you what, let's get on buses, going to go over to Sheddinger and talk to a dead man on why we do what we do today. You know what he'll get out of it? Nothing. Why? He's dead. Until you're born again, you're dead in trespasses and sin. Your spirit is dead and God cannot talk to you. Yet we have this great desire to take God's word and help a lost, ungodly generation understand God. It'll never work that way because until you've been a born-again Christian, receiving, not church, born-again Christian, until you have done that, you're never going to be awakened to the things of God so that his spirit can talk to your spirit about what God likes. Amen. This generation to come is deadlier, more diseased, more destructive, more rebellious, less educated, though they talk about that all the time. They know where to find information. They just don't know what to do with it. They, are less, they have less control, they're less contented, they're more liberal, more sensual than the generation before them. Go back to Psalm chapter number 78. Psalm chapter number 78. You gotta hurry, I gotta preach tonight, 6.30. Psalm 78, go down to verse number three. Psalm 78, verse number three. Look what he says in verse number three. Are you there? Psalm 78, verse three, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. So a generation that's there talking about their fathers before them, look at verse number four, the first part, we shall not hide them from their children. We shall not hide them. You may not on purpose be hiding things, but if you are not revealing God and what's going on and what is right and wrong, you are hiding from the next generation what God wants them to know. Look down at verse, verse number five, the second part of verse number five. Second part, he says this. He commanded our he command. this is not a suggestion. He commanded our fathers, watch, that they should make them known to their children. Look at the next verse. That, here's the reason why, the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. They're not born yet, but they're going to be born. Who, sh who, who should arise and declare them to their children. We're talking generationally now. We're not just talking about what's good for us or what works for us. We're talking about future generations here. Look at the next verse here. That, here's the reason why we need to do that that they might set their hope in, see, you're staring. You, you didn't even bring a Bible. What's Matthew? He can come to church. You can go to work without your tools. You know what they're going to say? What did you show up for? Look, I appreciate you trusting me, but don't. God gave you a Bible. Read your own Bible. Learn your own Bible. Watch what he says here in this next verse here, in verse number uh, seven, that they might set their hope on God, number one. Number two, not forget the works of God. Number three, but keep his commandments. Verse number eight, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set their heart 
I'm sorry, that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. They weren't walking with God. So they didn't teach the next generation. And yet they're commanded to teach the next generation. Anchor Baptist people, look at me. you got to get with the program. You have children growing up here. We have other young people coming here that need to be taught some things that God has taught us. Also, things that were handed to us, we have got to start telling them what that's about. Generation after generation, more and more of us are failing to teach our children about God. Oh, we teach them a lot of stuff. We even teach them to go to church, Sunday school, but we're not teaching them about God. It is no longer seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now the way it turns around is seek the things of life and for self first when you need them and when you can and we'll serve the Lord. We have completely turned that whole thing around. The Bible clearly says, God Almighty says, and this is for his children, if you're a born-again Christian, you are to seek God, his kingdom first, and and his right, the right way God wants you to live. First. Then all these things will be added unto you, all the, all the other stuff. But we have decided to turn the whole thing around. We seek things of life and for self first. And then when you need it or when you can get around to it, we'll seek the things of God. We are facing a generation of ungodly, sex-driven, dope-smoking, rebellious towards all authority. They must fit in Christian people feeling bad that their children don't fit into society. Who in God's dear name want kids to fit in a hellish society like this out here? But the pressure's on mom and dad because you won't tell your kids about these things about God and so they grow up feeling out of place. J. Edgar Hoover said today's unchurched child is tomorrow's criminal. You want to know what's going on in the streets? Our homes. Quit blaming on government. Quit blaming on, on, on civil authority. Quit blaming on the cops. Blame it on mom and dad. This is why the first attack that ever took place was on a married couple. First of all, it was between God and mankind. The second one was the married couple. The third one was the family, the children. It, it was that way from the beginning. Nothing has changed. Look at our society. And the whole time we do the same thing they did in Genesis, we begin to blame everybody else for what we did. The woman blamed, by the way, when God got started, it was God, he created man. Listen to me, ma'am. It has nothing to do with who's more worthy or less worthy. It's an order that God set. God set it, that's just the way it is. God set an order. You're not less. Actually, I think women are worth a whole lot more than men. But you can't have my position. Why? It's out of order. On a lot of different levels, it's out of order. So what we have here is simply this. J. Edgar Hoover said that, that unchurched, So how many times do our bus people, our soul winners go by? And here is your intelligent mom and dad. Well, four-year-old, do you want to go? Let me see. Cocoa Krispies, any video I want to watch, stay in my pajamas, catch a nap whenever, or go to church. Really, mom and dad, you're that intelligent? 
to let your kids make up their mind. My Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, not the way he wants to go. We are really failing our children. Some moms and dads had better learn that your children may actually grow up and follow your example instead of your advice. They may actually grow up and follow your example instead of your advice. We owe this generation to come at least what we had received from the generation before us. They have a right for that. What they do with it is between them and God. But they have a right. It is commanded. He commanded Israel. You let your children know and they need to let their children know certain things. Number two, the effect of the past generation. I've been saved over 51 years. I, for one, contrary evidently to a lot of people who come to this country and become millionaires and politicians who say America is not good anymore, I have a great idea. Leave. I don't care what your color is. You can be a politician. You can be a trash collector. You can own property if you can afford it. If you don't, you don't have a right to have it. You can have property. If you cannot afford it, you don't have a right to have it. You can own property. If you can't afford it, you don't have a right to have it. Hey, man. Why should you? You're welcome. I'm honored to be, I was not a good soldier. I think I lead you to believe that sometimes. I wasn't. But I was in the military. I was in Vietnam. I did these things. Looking back on it, and when people say, oh, you know, we're really glad our military's back, I think that's the way it should have always been. And I'm not going to run around stab people with my Vietnam knife and wear my boonie cap and my jungle fatigues because, and, and we go like this, I just can't get it out of my mind. Well, no kidding, you're still living there. I had a guy ask me again the other day, do you still remember? I said, fella, listen to me. I got saved as soon as I got back from Vietnam. I made a right-hand turn, and that's in my past. The reason they can't forget it. Oh, it's so hurtful, I don't want to talk about it. You dress like you're still there. You look at the old pictures to remind you of what's going on. You need to stop that. When you get born again, that's a whole new life. Hey, man. You must not have been in it like I was. Don't tell me what I was not a part of. But Jesus Christ instantly cleaned up my mind, my spirit, my life. My life my life was the dragging part. Getting this stupid flesh under control, that had to do with God. But listen to me very carefully. I'm, I'm very honored. Honestly, I'm very honored. I was watching uh, the news the other day, which you shouldn't do a lot of. I was watching the news the other day, and they brought all these old guys back from uh, Washington, D.C., and my wife says, honey, you're old enough to go to that. <laughs> what a blessing wise are, amen. And she said, you think about going there? I don't want to go there. I don't. I get all the honor that I think I'm worthy of, which is hardly none from God and the people right there. I'm good. Amen. Good to go. I'm glad they do. You're watching grown men cry and get appreciated. Some of them for maybe the first, second time in their entire life. I'm all for that. Amen. Okay? So... There are, I'm very humbled by that and by those who died for you. Somewhere along the line, some young men and women decided 
I'm going to give my life, if that's what it takes, for America and the next generation. Are you listening to me? Hey, 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 selfish. Everything's about you and who's done anything for you. You don't know anything about history, do you? You know nothing about America. We're talking here about war, the War of 1812, the Civil War, World War I, World War II. You know how you got America? By people sacrificing and dying and not looking for someone to give them something. We're talking about Korea. And we're talking about Vietnam and the Gulf War. And we're talking about Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran. We're talking about all that. Thousands of men and women, boys and girls for the most part. I went in when I was 17. During some of the world wars, some of them lied about their age and at the age of 14 and 15 volunteered to fight Japan and Germany. Do you understand that? Now here we are, 35 years old, living in our mother's basement saying, I can't face, I can't face life. What has happened to us? Someone thought it was worth giving their life for the next generation. Look at verse number five in chapter number 78. He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their, commanded them. Commanded what? What is it we're supposed to make known to the next generation? Okay, I'm 71 years old. Uh, God allowed me to start this mess uh, back about 34 years ago. And, uh, and I'm telling you, all it is is just giving yourself away constantly all the time. All it is is absorbing pain, hurt, misunderstanding, so others can, like, like parents are supposed to do for their kids. You just quietly absorb it and make it work so they can have an opportunity. But tell them, not the cost you paid, but America as a whole, tell them what God has done here. What, what, what should we be making known to our children? How those before us preserved our freedoms. You had the freedom to come to church, fall asleep. As far as I'm concerned, I like to come down and slap a whole bunch of you. Fall asleep in church? I always thought that was sinful. You say, I'm really tired. I really don't care. I always thought I'm come before a holy God, listen to his book, preached by his man among God's people. We've had to wake people up because they're snoring. We're waking other people up. America got its freedoms and preserved its freedoms by putting God in his rightful place, listen to me, in the home and in our government. In our home and in our government. Why do you ignore me when I talk like this? Why? How did we preserve our freedoms? Ready? Prayer and living godly, moral lives. Now see, when you amen shake your head, those that are questioning will look around and go, guess they all believe this. So this is what you need to do. See this part? It won't bleed. If it does, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll tie a tourniquet and take care of it, okay? Fighting and dying for God and country. That used to be a big thing. They didn't need it. Well, what kind of education am I getting at if I join? I can't believe how much money people are making to fight for their country. You know what? They don't want to fight for their country. They just want all the benefits. Do you know how much money? Okay, I was told I should join. That's true. That's true. Okay. But still, do you know how much money I made back in 1969 when I joined the military? Once I was an E-4, had jump pay, hazardous duty pay because I was a, a, a demolitions, and then also 
overseas pay, put all those pays together and everything else I can do, I made $489 a month. Now they'll give you like $60,000 to re-up. I'm thinking about going back in. We do not need to rewrite America's history. Do you know what makes you the person you are is the good and the bad of your past? Well, America's past isn't nothing to glory in, but it's America's past. Why did you leave your country? Because it wasn't that hot. Amen. If it was that glorious, why didn't you stay there? Look at me now, dancing in the spirit. Huh? Be proud of America's history. Its struggle made us strong. Our God built us and made us what we are so far. Number two, those who want us to Christ. Those who want us to Christ. This is something you ought to tell your kids. Those who want us to Christ. I'm not talking about those who invited us to church. I'm talking about those who actually witnessed us of Jesus Christ and won us to the Lord. Christ does not live in a building. Christ lives in a person. A lot of people go to church, but they, they're not saved, and they're trying desperately to fit in among born-again Christians. That's like a born-again Christian going to a public school and saying, get along. Take it for what it's worth. I will not understand. You could not convince me the advantages of going to a public university or school. You couldn't convince me of that. You cannot convince and tell me one advantage that gives to you. I went to public school, but my mom and dad were heathens. They were saved. That's what they should do. You have no right sending a heathen kid, an unsaved kid, to a Christian school. I can't imagine how tough that must be. Imagine taking a kid that's been raised in a godly home in a church like this and saying, now you got to go to public school. Could you imagine what's going on in their head, in their spirit? Can you understand that? Everything they were told is true is now addressed as a lie. Most in this room, you were won by a mom and a dad who went to church. You were won by a grandma or a grandpa somewhere. Your mom and dad didn't. They ship you off to grandma and grandpa's house, and guess what grandma and grandpa did? They went to Baptist church somewhere. And lo and behold, they said, you stay here, you go to church with us. Amen. What are you doing allowing people to come to your house and stay home when you go to church? Well, Here's what I always tell people. You come to my house, you can stay, but you're going to get up on Sunday morning and go to church or you ain't coming. Whatever, whatever happened to our standards? Right. Whatever happened to guidelines? Whatever happened to telling people, this is what we do, this is what was taught to me, and this is what I'm going to teach you. Somewhere along the line, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a, remember when we used to call them hellfire damnation? Sweating, spitting, stomping preacher. They were called Bible thumpers. Do you know why? Because they thumped the Bible when they preached. I think that's, I think that's embarrassing. It's just not needed. Well, ma'am, first of all, you couldn't be a preacher if I put a pistol in your head. I don't care what you say. No such thing as a woman preacher. You say, I know some. No, that's what they're called, but there's no such thing as one. Thank God for those of you who before you were not self-indulging and self-serving or you would be going your way to hell. 
Somebody took a Saturday or midweek evening or at work jeopardized perhaps a job to tell you about Jesus Christ. And you would think the decent thing to do was to carry a track and look around and say, here, I want to give this to you. Well, I might get fired of it. That was not a concern in the generation before me. That wasn't a concern in my generation. But somehow it has become a major issue because the world said, you can't do that. And we said, okie dokie. And our children watch this whole thing. And then we try to tell them the importance of Christianity. And yet they look at us and go, can't be that important. Tell them. Tell the next generation how you came to receive Christ. By the way, you ought to tell them often. Your children, look at me. Your children should be able to tell anybody else in detail their parents' salvation story. In detail. In detail. Your children should be able to tell anybody, oh yeah, I can tell you about my dad. I can tell you exactly how he got saved. I can tell what he was before he got saved. I can tell you where he was. But see, we're not telling the next generation. We're not telling them. We, we, we've actually bought into, well, I think it's kind of personal. Salvation's not personal. Salvation is what wins the world to Christ. It is supposed to be spread, going to all the world and preach the gospel. I can prove to you it works. How can you go this way, receive Christ, and then be doing this? The evidence is all around you. Parents, why can't your children, is your mom and dad saved? Yeah, they go to church. That's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you if they went to church. I asked you if they were saved, if they knew Jesus Christ as Savior. They should be able to tell in detail their parents' salvation story. So what should we be making known to our children? How those before us preserved our freedoms. We're going on missions trips, actually three or four of them, between now and next year sometime. Um, You ought to go. Quite an eye-opener. You get over your, I have a right real quick. And the spoiledness of your children real quick. That you don't have to have much of anything to be thankful and have a good attitude. I deserve more. You deserve hell. And it's only by the grace of God that we are not there now. Tell your children that instead of patting them on their pointed head and making them feel like they don't fit in the world and woe is them. They're not supposed to fit in the world, Mom and Dad. You say you're upset about something. You have no idea what I'm upset about. It was done. Can it still be done, preacher? Can it still be done? When I left Chattanooga, Tennessee, my preacher's pastor, Shalette, uh, Don Shalette, uh, had a, had a uh, uh, church in, I think it was in Shreveport. And when I got ready to leave down there from school and stuff, I, getting ready to come up here, here's my send-off, ready? Brother Bell, I'm not sure this can be done anymore. Yay, thanks. Uh, I hadn't even started yet, and I was getting that. And they, because here's what they said. Are you ready? This is what stopped. We're telling everybody why it probably can't be done anymore. Instead of, man, go give it a shot. He said, the expense of things, if it's ever done, for sure you know it's it's God. Here I am. 
and it only took a short 34 years to get here. <laughs> Do you know what all is involved in staying in one place for 34 years? Please be here tonight. The generation before me, I actually th I think it was the greatest fundamental era in history. You name the great preachers of the, of the past, I probably heard them. Man, what a privilege was mine. I'm talking about radio preachers and, and great, great, great campaign preachers. You name it. I was there. I heard them. And man, it set my soul on fire and made me believe it can still be done. And they wanted you to try it. Just give it a shot. Get out there. Do something for God. Fail trying something for God is not failure. Doing nothing and playing it safe is failure. We're so afraid of failure. Everybody fails. The greatest batters in the world strike out. The greatest runner in the world gets tackled. The greatest quarterback you've ever known gets intercepted. The difference is they tried it and didn't quit. The generation before, they won souls. They built buildings. They built buildings. They, they, they established schools and opposed sin. They used to call it modernism, liberalism, worldliness, and sins of doctrine. Now we do this. I just don't like the guy's attitude. Yeah, well, that's Bible. Where's that attitude in the Bible? Someplace. We don't do that anymore. Actually, your wife, wouldn't you, your wife, came here, one of the first, probably this many people in all these years that said, can we see your uh, church's doctrinal statement? See, we, we've been taught that I go to that church because I like their music. That's the wrong reason to go to church. I go to church because my friends go there. Wrong reason to go to church. I'm not against that. I'm just saying that's not the reason. Well, I go there because that preacher, he's funny. Well, that's true. But that's not the reason. You know why? Because when all that stops, you'll quit. You'll change direction. But when you're doctrinally sound in the Bible, now you bounce everything off the word of God and that decides what you should and should not do. That's why the Bible said in the last days in which we live, men shall heap, I mean heap to themselves. Oh, I like that guy. I went online list that guy. Boy, you talk about a teacher. I tell you, he doesn't make you feel guilty. Are you kidding me? In a worldly society like this, you're listening to a guy constantly and you're not guilty about anything. In God's dear name, what's he teaching? And they all sound like they came from the same speech place, don't they? They all sound the same. They all do the same. You know why? This is success. It works for you. Hello, yes. Well, turn in your Bibles as we study the word the today. Now, we've been on this study for six months, and I think it's really benefiting God's people. I'd love to go to a place like that. Why? I can do whatever I want to and never feel guilty. So people are picking churches based upon where they don't feel guilty. You ought to go someplace that I need to know what God wants and whatever adjustments that are is. That's what I need to do. You feel a whole lot better about yourself. Soul winning still works. It used to be so busy around here. Honestly, we actually had to pull away from certain certain streets going soul winning because another Baptist church was already there. And they go like this. Uh, some Baptist people were already there. And we looked down and said, yeah, there they are down there. So we had to actually leave a street and go to another street because Baptist people were just everywhere irritating everybody, which is what Baptist people do. 
you irritate sin with truth. You irritate darkness with light. You irritate a lost generation with an on fire saved generation. That's what you do. Soul winning still works. If I were to ask you right now, everybody, don't, don't do it. Everybody reach and grab a track. And I said, don't do it. Do you even have it? Do you have any car? Ladies, don't put them in your purse. That black hole right there, you'll never find anything down inside there. There used to be a song she pulled out, fire hydrant, piano bench, elephant, a monkey wrench, but she couldn't find her keys. Anyway, my wife, I said, hey, do you have a keys? Yeah, they're in here somewhere. She moves this. I said, honey, how do you ever find They're in here. And she'll just keep digging. And she'll lay that out. And she'll look in there. And she'll lay that out. And I, honey, you're in a parking lot heading towards your car. How, how are you going to get it? Of course, she's like, automatic open. Right, okay. You know, people getting baptized after salvation without needing a six-month teaching program still works. You don't need to understand baptism to get baptized. You need to obey baptism because it's a command of God, and it'll make perfect sense to you on why you did that. I got saved on a Saturday night a long time ago. They used to call that the devil's night. Now it's party. Social living. Oh, oh you yippee. You, you know what you are? You're a young yippie is what you are. You're very intelligent, very proper, but you, don't, you do what you want to do and think you're just a cut above everybody else. I was always told people with a lot of money are just crumbs held together by their own dough. you get that later on. People need to get baptized after they get saved. Now, we've kind of left that up to them, but the Great Commission says that once they've been preached to the gospel, they need to get saved, and then they begin to learn. We've decided to teach and help them understand before they get saved and before they get baptized. So we've done exactly what we do with everything. We switch the whole thing around because we know better than what God has been teaching. Actually, Christian, you listen to me. What it is, we don't like feeling out of place. So when the whole world decides to step over here, we kind of step with them because they'll think we're weird. You know what the apostle Paul said? He said, we are considered the off-scouring of the world. Fools, for Christ's sake. But see, that bothers us. I don't want them thinking bad of my kids. If they're out there, you don't have to worry about thinking about them. They're going to end up that way. All you young couples that go to Anchor Baptist Church, you need to set up and pay attention to what it is I'm trying to tell you. Building buildings. The preacher was wrong. We did it. You say, yeah, but it's awful hard. That's not the point. It can still be done. Anything that's done for Christ ought to require some prayer, some fasting, some sacrifice, some absorbing of pain, some battles fought. But see, we, don't, we want everything to be handed easy. So we forget the storefront. We forget the church that started in a garage. And we go to some big institute where we can just sit in the crowd and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Hey, man, I love that church. Yeah, yeah, I really feel something there. But it ain't the Lord. How is this right in church? That ain't easy. 
standing against sin. Show me any bigger church you really like that preaches against sin like the last generation. And still have convictions and preach the truth. The next generation, listen to me, it can still be done. All you young people in here, you have got to understand. It has nothing to do with me being here or not being here. The problem is you need to buy into God is God. I'm not. Jesus Christ died for you. I did not. You still have a guide right here. All you need to do is make sure you put the right guy in this place that God wants and you're going to be okay. You need a hellfire damnation look in your face, tell you how that cow ate that cabbage, and quit letting you go home feeling good about yourself when you know you're not living right. It's not what you need. Don't go for what you want. Go for what you need. It can still be done. Buses still work. One of the best ways to get into houses, hundreds of them, is have bus routes. On purpose, every week. Bus people's here, Mom. Who's at the door? Anchor. They already know. ABC. Some kids don't even know the name of our church. Where do you go to church? ABC. I went to the ABC bus. They don't even know it's called Anchor Baptist Church. I went right to the ABC bus. Some of you sitting here don't even know I got through preaching this morning. We done yet? <laughs> what am I saying? Those before us paved a way. They showed us it could still be done. They showed us what it was going to take place. I know, I know. We started in a Westgate Recreation Center about two miles from here, two and a half miles from here. One room, $20 an hour. Nursery was in the hallway. For those of you that fuss with nurseries, I don't know why people would come. I wouldn't put my kid out there, but they did. I know people who started a brand new church, and right now, as far as I know, that church is doing pretty well in a bus. You know what they said? Got to get started somewhere. There's an empty bus. Let's start there. Well, you see, we don't we don't have proper tracks yet, and we don't really have a building that's furnished yet. You know, if I could get 45,000 people to give me $50 a month, we could start, and I wouldn't have to work for a living. I wouldn't give you a dime. I know preachers who start a business on the side and then say, God called me to what kind of service? Full-time. Full-time service. You know their excuse? Yeah, but if it doesn't work out, I have something to fall back on. Yeah, faith. Again, please forgive me. No, don't forgive me. I wouldn't follow a guy like that. I would not follow a guy like that. Garages, rented buildings, storefronts. And they built great works for God. I can show them to you. I want to know where your kids would be in school if somebody didn't say, let's build it there. I want to know where you and your family would be going to church this morning if somebody didn't say, well, we'll figure out how to pay for it and make it work. Let's just, let's just do it. And now you're looking for this in return. Well, it's not easy. It was easy. We just took the brunt of things for you. Now it's your turn. You got to step up to the plate and start yeah. swinging. What if I? What if I? What if I? What if I strike out? Everybody does. So what do I do? Learn some more. Get back up to the plate and show that pitcher you can hit that fastball. Yeah. If that makes sense. Now they started. They built schools and colleges and camps. 
Our kids just came back from a camp. You know, one day a church got together and said, let's see if we can help more churches that can't do things like this. Let's start a camp. And they did. That was it. We believe this is a great idea, and God can bless a lot of people if we'll do. Now we're hesitating. We're waiting. If I invest, what if it doesn't work? Can I tell you something right now? I invested in a church on the other side of town that lasted for 10 years and is totally destroyed now. It doesn't carry the same name, doesn't have the same standards, not heading in the same direction. So how do you feel about that? Everything I did, I did for God. And what I did for God is still established. Haven't lost a thing. You're so worried about your money and your and your name that you're, you're missing the whole point. Do something for God that will last throughout all of eternity. God will not hold it against you if the thing falls apart because you did something right. Amen. Amen. We must carry on and teach this next generation what the past generation told us was possible and showed us what was possible. Go to 1 Chronicles. Not Corinthians, Chronicles, Old Testament. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We need to start preparing this next generation. I'll I'll tell you more about this tonight. I I actually, several times throughout my Christianity, got afraid of getting in another fight again, battle. You know why? Why? was loss involved. I didn't like it. So I decided let's just keep things the way they are. You can't do that. It's not what God wants. Playing it safe. The only safe place for a Christian is in God's will. Look in First Chronicles. Now, we need to start preparing the generation to come, which is what I'm trying to do. You see the age of our staff? You see the age of our deacon? Deacon. No, you still have two, right? Deacons. <laughs> thought we were down to one. You can't call them deacons when you have one. We have two. And uh, staff. Who, who's the oldest guy? You, 34? Wow. No, not you, him. Uh, 36 years old. Oh. oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You say, wow, that's pretty young. There's two things here. Number one, it causes problems because you have to stop and think. You have to teach. You have at times go, okay, and then try to help. On the other hand, nobody here challenges me. Nobody here thinks they're the next pastor of the Anchor Baptist Church. That's what has cause battles in the past. I'm not worthy to be the pastor. I'm the pastor because that's what God said. I even told him I'd rather not. They didn't listen. First Chronicles, we, we have got to, so I'm teaching these guys. I, in the mornings during school, I meet with them in the morning. We have a, a devotion. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we meet for prayer. Uh, in the hallways, we have some of our best Bible teaching in the hallways, believe it or not, because sometimes things just come across. I said, by the way, that reminds me. I used to do this with my family all the time. I used to teach my family like that all the time, and I would try to tell them, okay, look, this reminds me of something, spiritual application. 
this is the way moms and dads should be in your home. You should always be looking for that spiritual application to teach and train your children. Look in 1 Chronicles chapter number 28. Look at verse number 2. Chapter 28, verse number 2. Then David the king stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. Uh, let's see where we're at. Yeah, verse number three. But God's, now this, this, would, this would hair lip a lot of people right here. I did all this work and you said no. <laughs> David put the whole thing together and said, my dream, my desire, I want to do this for God. God looked at him and said, great idea. Even, even the, the, the prophet said, David, you're right with God. Do what's in your heart. He no more left and God tapped the preacher on the shoulder and said, you misinformed him. Now you go back and tell him I said no. So he had to go right back to the king and say, David, God said, no, you're not the guy. And David pouted for the rest of his life. I went to that church and, and I gave money and, and I tried to, guess what they did? that's your story of life? You know what David did? We're going to read. Go down to verse number 20. Verse number 20, same chapter, chapter 28. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, chapter 28, verse number 20. And David said to Solomon, now this is his son, so we have David, his generation, to Solomon, his son. Here's what he said. Be strong and of good courage and do it. Solomon, do it. That's going to take courage. Solomon, you're going to need to be strong in this effort, but you need to do this, Solomon. Watch. For the Lord God, even my God. So David, with his God and what he had learned, is teaching Solomon, his son, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished the work of the service of the house of the Lord. I want you to go to chapter 29, look at verse number 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God had chosen, is yet young and tender. He's just a young guy yet. David fought wars. David was a bloody man. David set aside all the materials, gathered everything you'd ever need to build this gorgeous tab temple for God. And God said, appreciate it. And I agree with you, it's a good idea. But you're not the guy that's going to do it. So David turns around and gets all that material and starts piling it all up, getting all the craftsmen, everybody lined up. You think he's the one? That, it should have been called David's temple. No, it's called Solomon's temple, his son. Do you know why? Well, if it's not me, then I'm, I'm going to prepare the next generation. That's not what we do. If that's the way churches are, then just never mind. Our world has dictated to us that this like a union hall. Well, I was next in line. I've been there longer than she has. I'll bet some of you, Brother Celia just chafes you the wrong way, doesn't he? Guy's barely been here over five years and already run the church. Okay, he thinks he is. And you think, man, he's a new guy. What does he know? I'll, I'll tell you one thing. He yields to the preacher, works himself to death. It bothers him when he's not doing right. He wants to do right, and he makes himself available. 
while you're waiting for me to recognize your credentials. He ain't, well, he went to West High University. So chapter 29, verse number one. For the palace is not of men. Solomon, my son, whom alone got, he's young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man. I mean, this, this is for God. We got to do this right. So what did he do? David said, my young Solomon, my son Solomon, has, has a great work ahead, but he's young and he's tender. He, tender meaning he hasn't been in a lot of battles. You want to know how to survive battles? Yeah, get in battles. You want to know how to get past some hurts? You've got to get past some hurts. Tom Williams, uh, we were up there listening to him. I, I love old preachers. They're, they're just great. I, I can't wait till I become old preacher. Um, he was up there saying, he said, yeah, and some woman approached me and said, Brother Williams, do you, do you know what it's like when you lose somebody? You now, he's gone through two wives, I think, and on his third. And they both died. How did you get through that? Here was his answer. So everybody's like just down. Like, There's got to be a key on how to do this. You know what he said? You get through it. What were you looking for? I know what you're looking for. Oh, genie, show me something special for me. And No, here's what you do. Ready? The man who walks with God always arrives at his destination. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You be good, keep moving, let God determine your destination and the outcome of your life. That's what you need to do. So David was going to help him. The next generation was Solomon. Help him, help him, prepare him for this great work that was going to go on. How can we prepare a generation to come? In Psalm 78, verse number 4. Go back there, please. Psalm 78, verse number 4. Psalm 70. You know, when I first got saved, every Baptist church was real similar. Every Baptist preacher was similar. They'd yell and scream. So I don't like that yelling and screaming. You go to that church, they do the same thing. <laughs> so it's not like you could jump from fishbowl to fishbowl. Why? Because that fishbowl, like this fishbowl. Now we're just collecting members from other churches. I'm getting ready to dance in spirit, so you can't blame me. How come, honey, that's enough. Now, how can we help prepare the generation? Look at chapter 78, verse number four. We will not hide, quit hiding hard times from your kids. Quit surrounding them with neosporin and bubble wrap and helmets and knee pads and elbow pads and little band-aid did a cute. You're setting your kid. I wish you had my mom and dad. I don't, but I do. My mom, I don't think she liked kids. You say, oh, preach, that's not true. Then why did she say, look, you were an accident to begin with. And when you get older, I hope you have kids just like yourself. I went in the military when I was in there. My mom moved. That's not a joke. And forgot to write. Aww. That's what maybe the man I am today. Look at verse number four. 
showing to the Gentiles. Okay, now he's going to tell you what to show. Ready? The praises of the Lord. You don't know what we with. The praises of the Lord. How'd you get through it? How'd you make ends meet? You went through that heartache. What did God do for Start telling your, woe is me. Nobody knows the trouble that I've seen. Can I tell you the rest of that song? Nobody wants to hear it either. They really don't want to hear it. What they really should want to know is how did you overcome? How did you get through Tell your children it can still be done. Show them through your life it can still be done. Quit pansying out all the time. Well, I don't know how much I'm supposed to take. All of it. Take it all. Verse 4. His strength. Quit bragging on how you got yourself through that. You followed the Lord and prayed like crazy. You didn't know what you were doing half the time. Okay, I didn't know what I was doing most of the time. You, you think I'm some genius because of all this and guys that I pick. And Can I tell you what I do most of the time? God, I hope this is right. Five times in 51 years do I believe God specifically guided or talked to me about something. Now, maybe you're more spiritual than I am. I doubt it. You know, but. Well, God led me to do this. God was talking to me the other day. I don't believe that. You'll never get me to believe that. Man or woman, you'll never get me to believe that. God talks through his scripture. God, his Holy Spirit, identifies with his scripture. Why is it five times, and one of them has to do with my salvation. I'm talking about the first time God, I knew God was talking to me, it was my salvation. Second time, called to preach. Third time, I was called to pastor. I knew I was already preaching, and I knew now the direction I was supposed to go. The fourth one was to go to college. I had to get away from where I was. I didn't want to. I had to because God could not fashion me as a leader being under who I was under. Two years later to the day, sitting on the platform, taking notes, listening to the preacher, here's what I wrote down. I went, it's time for me to leave. Not guesswork. I still had two more years of college to go. I'm glad I didn't stay. It would have ruined me. It's ruined some of you. And then he said this. He said, the wonderful, the, huh, the, what's that, am I reading, what's that word? Oh, that he hath done. Talking about your life. Has God not done anything wonderful for you? You think you could tell your children that? Well, there was this once. How can we help prepare this generation? We need to be the right example. We need to be the right example. We, mom and dad, hey, mom, I know all the single moms in here. I understand that. I'm for you. I don't think it's right. I know what the devil's doing to families. Paul told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. So you got the older Paul talking to his surrogate son in, in the Lord and say, because he only had a grandma, and I don't know where his Greek dad was, but now we come to find out Timothy's there, and he said, Timothy, listen to me. You're getting ready to start pastoring a church. He said, you listen to me. Let no man despise thy youth. Youth back then was not a teenager. Bible doesn't talk teenagers. Bible doesn't talk about everything rotates around kids. That's American society. Everything's supposed to rotate around dad, which I'm kind of all for. I eat first. I 
Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example, ready, of the believers. Then he tells him where? In word? Ready? All right. You better get in your Bible, fellas. In word, in conversation, that would be your speech. We're not done. In charity, now we've been studying that, right? We know what that is, charity. In spirit, you know what that is? Your attitude. I don't understand grown-ups. I, I don't understand older people. I understand grown-ups. I don't understand older people. I don't mean older than me. I mean you're not kids anymore. You almost can't help yourself telling your kids how bad you have it. What are you going to do, hire them out? Sorry, you're just going to have to get a job, but we're not eating next month. What, what are you doing? You know what it is? You've never learned to absorb pain to help other people. Christianity has to learn to do that. You just have to learn to do that. In spirit, and then he said, in faith. Why do we keep doing it? Because that's what God wants. God wants that. We do what God wants. That's faith. Faith isn't talking about the Bible. Faith is knowing the Bible and doing what the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. You can talk about the Bible all you want to. If you're not doing what you say you know, you do not know, you know? And then he said, in purity. See, the thing is, we need to start teaching these things. The greatest danger confronting this next generation and many today is the example of us adults. We whine. You guys whine about wearing a tie. I've never heard such childish stuff in my life. John Nelm says this only church he comes to, he wears a tie. I say, you come to my church and speak behind his pulpit, you're going to wear a tie. You know what he said? Okie dokie. He's a world traveler. I mean, the guy goes everywhere. And he says, this only church he comes to wears a tie. The reason some of you guys can't wear a tie, you don't wear your shirts right, you don't know how to tie a tie, and you don't know how to wear one. I wasn't born with one. I don't mow the grass in a suit. I don't paint with a white shirt on. I like dressing up. I think I look rather cool. My my. My wife used to say all the time, hey, you look good when you dress up. So where's that mean? <laughs> you don't look good when you're not dressed up? Let's do it carefully. Clothes do not make the man, but it helps. You think you're a better Christian because you wear a tie? Yeah. Stupid. What do you think? Oh, seriously? Man. One day it may dawn on us Christians. The reason that we're losing the next generation is because of the way we live. Quit passing the buck. You drink sociably. That's big among Christians now, you know. Jesus turned the water into wine. Yep. Whiskey's not wine. Neither's beer. Neither champagne. And by the way, as far as I'm concerned, if you can turn the water into wine, drink it. You drink sociably. Don't let it shock you that your children become drunkards. Not because I'm for it. You argue the point that, well, you know, now Christians, and now? What did they used to do? You don't know much about the Bible or you quit using that story about Jesus turning the water into wine, which was like 168 gallons of wine. You think what was that what, fermented if I was getting drunk, having a big time, when in Proverbs he talks about the deceivableness, deceivableness, that big word about drinking? 
don't blame that boy for getting your girl pregnant. When you're living with a man, you're not married to him. Do you don't think they know you? There's a double standard here. Don't you let that boy have his way with you. And you're sleeping with a man that's not even your husband. Well, it's like being married. No, it's not like being married. It's like being in adultery. Don't expect your kids to grow up and have good values and doing what is right. When you skip church all the time, you don't care about souls, you don't tithe because you're stingy. Don't give me that you misunderstand the Bible. You're stingy. You're selfish. You don't read and you make every excuse on why you can't do what God told us to do. You don't think your kids key in on that? They come to a church like this and they hear me say something and then they watch you and go, wait a minute, mom and dad do this and preacher said that and, and so the parents threaten Look, what goes on in this house stays in the house. You don't talk to anybody about what's going on in here. So then it puts the kids at a huge disadvantage. I teach all of our staff, don't question the kids about their home or their parents. Preacher, where is so-and-so? We haven't seen him for weeks. Not my job to chase you around. You don't want to go to church? Talk to God about it. We need a generation that will set a good godly example to the generation to come. Our children are tired of seeing preachers who preach one thing and yet live another. They're tired of hearing their parents say, do as I say and not as I do. They're tired of hearing people who expect more out of their children and the next generation than they did out of themselves. What can we do to prepare this next generation? We want and expect everything out of them more than we even expected it out of us. That's not fair. It's not right. It's not even biblical. Be a right example yourself. We can pray earnestly for their life. I preached a serious message one time on the family, my family. And the last one was what I did wrong raising my children. We had a packed house that night. <laughs> and they all showed up. And what it was about was... I didn't pray enough for my kids. When we work, we get what we can do. When we pray and work, we get what God can do. You understand that? Most parents can control smaller children because they're smaller. If you can't control them now, I've watched it. God bless your heart. You, you just won't listen to me. Because your pediatrician told you something else. Granny told you something else. Actually, most grandmothers wouldn't put up with what some of you are putting up with. Well, they got to be on schedule. Good. I hope you get up at 1.16 and 30 seconds in the morning. I'm sorry. Elbow your husband. Said it's your turn. My wife could elbow me all she wants to. I ain't getting up. Well, preacher, we just think it's right. I'm all for it. Show me in the Bible. work for a living too. There's one of your mistakes right there. Well, how are we supposed to afford all this? Give some of it back. Boy, I am pushing every button I can find, aren't I? Woo! And you're right now trying to provide yourself with every argument and insulation you can find. And I just keep ripping it away, don't I? Yeah, I love this stuff. Oh. You skip church, 
You don't care for souls. You don't tithe. You don't read. You make every excuse all the time. We need a generation of good godly examples that are willing to pay the price to succeed for God so we can tell them. We can pray earnestly. Most parents can control smaller children because of their size. With the rebellion and open sinfulness of the world, we need more help with our children. And ain't Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris, she, she don't even know how to talk. I think she, she's bad off with Joe Biden, but he just don't know it. Our children need more than just teaching and discipline. That will reach here and may even make them do what they're supposed to do. But what about in here? What about inside? We need to pray for them. I admit it. I didn't pray enough for my kids. I was busy building a church. I was busy helping other families with their kids. I was busy doing everything I can for God. And by the way, when my kids are home, they do what they were told. And the one, why do we have to? My kids never whine. Never whine. We don't whine in my house. We don't poochy lip. We don't talk back. You don't call me by my first name or you'd be going for false teeth. You don't ever touch or talk back to your mother. Or you'll regret the day you ever, and they never do. I think they believe me. You're giving way too much leniency because you feel sorry for your kids that, well, they can't do what the world does, so, you know. I want to see her do that. Did she do it? <laughs> hey, you're supposed to sign, lady. <laughs> did she do it? She's not doing it yet. You're disobedient. Get your wife under subjection. Anchor Baptist Church, listen to me. I gave into this a long time ago. There'll be many of us that will never fully enjoy all the benefits of the Anchor Baptist Church. Because we need to live and sacrifice and give ourselves so the next generation can succeed with all the benefits that we were able to do. You have to get past the selfishness. We need to establish this church not just your Christian life, this church, this place called the body of Christ, the local church, the body of Christ, the pillar and ground of the truth where your children, many of them will be going to school or have gone to school, where many of them grew up here. I, I, I think we got people all over here. Those that did not quit, uh, Sox and, and, and Abigail and where's Kenny? Kenny's out back, isn't he? Uh, Kenny's out back and who, who else grew up? Uh, uh, Colleen. How old were you when you came here? You're a teenager. You weren't a teenager. You're an old girl already. Um, uh, who? Mullen. Where's Mullen? There he is. Uh, him and his mom came here. Raise your hand, Mullen. He's a black guy right back there. There he is. And uh, now he don't know he's black, so don't you tell him that. But he, he grew up here. He sings special, leads our choir. One of our dear friends. One of our dear friends. I'll cut no corners for him or his family. 
And he needs to start training his children right. I, I love his wife. I don't, I'm not that crazy about him, but I love his wife. As long as he treats her right, he can stay. We already established that a long time ago. Same thing with your husband. As long as he treats Abigail right, we're okay. Same thing with Miriam. Ben, you listen? There you go. Amen, brother. Prepare the way for them. Some of us are just going to have to face it, take it with a good spirit, and say, for the next generation to have this place. Right now, we just have to work. We just have to sacrifice. We're just going to have to give into this. Lord, even before your children become old enough to enjoy this place, they won't have this place. We need to pay off the land and the buildings. We need to build buildings for them, just like David did with his son. We need to do all we can to ensure their success. That way they don't have any excuse between them and God. That's all it is. While we were trying to live for God and establish something, we were building buildings and facing the public and children's services and lawsuits and all these other kind of things. Scared you, didn't I? And doing all these other things while we were trying to train a generation. If we can establish a lot of this and finish this thing out, then the next generation will have no excuse, none whatsoever. Parents, listen to me. Those spoiled little kids are going to grow up thinking they're entitled to everything here. They don't run through this church. They don't throw their bubblegum sticks and stuff down. Don't do that. This is not a gymnasium. It's not their house. They shouldn't do it at your house. What a hard work our children are going to have to face. I, I dread, honestly, I do. I dread it. I found myself talking like my pastor's pastor. I'm not sure it can be done anymore. I worry about you and your kids a lot. A lot. I fear that after my departure, whether it's death or whatever, if I hit the lottery, I'm going tomorrow. I just want you to know that. That's funny, right? I don't worry for me. The end of my life will be what the end of my life will be. That's just that simple. But you have to live in this madness and still maintain your Christian life. Light and darkness cannot dwell together. I worry about your kids. And you just keep having them. What's wrong with you people? Let us set a right example, showing them that it can still be done, and, and, and by the way, and how to do it. Quitting every time you turn around and running off somewhere else. What are you teaching people? And, and quit covering it up by, well, I believe this is what God wants. I'm going to tell you something right now. Either God is getting seen now and changing his mind constantly, or somebody's talking for God and had no idea what they're talking about, and you're going to have to answer for it. So before you start listening to all these stupid women preachers on TV and everything else going, well, God led me to, look, get your feelings out of the way and what you think and get back to the word of God and start doing that. Most people don't listen to a preacher anymore. They come in to tell the preacher what they think's right and wrong. So you know where I go? Okay, I understand. What do you want me to do? Very few. I've had people here who make large amounts of money and are very capable, very smart, and come to me and say, Preacher, I'm thinking about doing this. I just want to know what you think if I do anything. Well, I've done this and I've done that, and I talked to 40 other people in the church, even called my friends in New York, New Jersey, California, Texas, and they all agree. What do you think, Preacher? What do you want me to say? Let us pray that God will guide their hearts. 
make sure they're not just going through the motions. We cannot quit. We owe the past generation and we owe the next generation. An old man traveled a lone highway. He came to the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sobbing tide. The old man crossed through the twilight dim for that solemn stream held no fear for him. But he paused when he reached the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Good friend, said a a fellow traveler near, you're wasting time in building here. Your journey will end at the end of day and you must never again pass this way. Why pause you here at even tide to build a bridge to span the tide? Good friend, said the old man lifting his head. There cometh after me, he said, a youth who also must pass this way. He too must pass at the ending of day. He too must pass through the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. You know, when you get closer to the end of your life, you reevaluate your life. Not whether it's worth it or not. What are you leaving for the next generation? Why are you working career up to the why am I doing all this at my age? It's not for me. Good friend. I'm building this bridge for you. What are you going to do with your eternity? Let's pray. Father, thank you.